Okay, hello and welcome to, what is this, number six? The sixth episode of Romantic Underpinnings, the podcast that I was supposed to introduce this week uh, because you're going to be the one reading the chapter that I wrote in our uh, collaboratively or perhaps alternately written historical romance novel, which we're reading out loud chapter by chapter to each other for the first time. Uh, This is Andrew. And with me, we have... And this is Ashton. All right. Uh, One thing I realized, I did not make it clear. Uh, She is reading the chapter that I wrote, and next time I will read the chapter that she wrote, etc. You're probably familiar with that if you have enjoyed the previous five episodes, but since I have not edited them yet, um, I have no idea whether anyone has enjoyed it so far or whether... Uh, is the morning after we start releasing these, there will be a crowd of people with pitchforks on my front lawn. Um, <laughs> anyway, just uh, in case I missed something, I think we've... Oh, so the novel is set in late 17th century England, or soon to no longer be England, because it is indeed a tale of international intrigue that you have been following along with. Um, I believe at the end of the last episode, the romantic hero of our novel, Anthony, um, had been preparing to finalize the crew for his uh, mysterious and intriguing mission that uh, King William III sent him on, uh, more of which uh, to come in future episodes. And um, our heroine, Agatha, Agatha Van Hoorn, to be precise, um, had been, let's say, tentatively offered a gig with the crew, or at least is seeking to follow along with Anthony for reasons of her own. Um, And now we are um, picking up Agatha's chapter, which I have written very slowly over the period of a few days after a rather long fallow period dictated by my um, almost complete inability to write, which you are soon going to enjoy. So without further ado, I'm handing to Ashton to start reading the chapter. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. The sun beamed on Agatha, and a gentle breeze dispersed as much of the docks' stench as could be expected. Agatha's luck ended there. She'd spent long months aboard ship, but the intricacies of the sails and rigging had always seemed as elusive as sea spray. Everything seemed closer together on this small schooner, and the English nautical jargon she'd heard seemed to bear little resemblance to what she'd overheard from Dutch crews. Her hands felt raw after 15 minutes, and the muscles in her arms and back ached after 30. Anthony continued bellowing at her to climb, pull, tie, furl, and swab. The volume and firmness of Anthony's voice shocked her after last night's baffled condensation. Condensation? Condescension, perhaps. Condescension. All. Sorry. The rest of his small crew had come to come out to observe and laugh, including the burly lout whom she and Jack had ejected from Stella's establishment the night before. Agatha hadn't felt so many eyes on her since she tripped over the Duke of Cumberland at a dance several months ago, upsetting a bull of syllabub. Syllabub? What's that, honey? 
syllabub. It's something you hear about sometimes in Regency romance novels. It's some weird, like, fruity, frothy, milky, alcoholic punch situation, I believe. That sounds disgusting. I want to make it. Ew, you would. Okay, sorry. Uh, The sailor's commentary didn't reek of compassion, but their direct mockery proved refreshing after all the plight disdain she'd experienced at court. After two hours of game yet incompetent work about deck, Anthony reluctantly informed Agatha that she'd been hired. Really? She gets hired, honey? I mean, she sort of has to go with Anthony I know, on this I'm trip, kidding. or we don't have a plot. Oh, oh, damn it! Okay, by <laughs> by the way, um, I feel like I mean our devoted listeners will know, but Agatha is totally dressed as a um, very young seeming male sailor here, and Anthony is um, as is uh, necessary in novels like this, just completely unaware that she is uh, concealing her sex despite the fact that she is uh, not very good at it. Yes, he's rather blockheaded. I mean, everyone else has saw, has figured it out like almost immediately. So, you know. Yeah, we don't know about the rest of the crew, but that's because I didn't want to introduce the whole crew. Uh, no, that's, that's your fine. job next chapter. I'm ready. Okay. The Carlotta was set to embark the next morning at dawn, and Anthony set the crew out to fetch supplies. After slightly exaggerating her cooking acumen, Agatha landed food duty, and while she'd never been responsible for procuring food in a large city, she figured that it must be easier than finding explosives. She found herself bumbling through a maze of narrow streets made narrower by market stalls. She'd found some biscuits the color and density of lead near the docks, but given the short distance of the voyage, she decided to throw in an assortment of waxy root vegetables and bruised apples. She brought, bought a groaning sack of food back to the ship in the early afternoon and set about stowing it as best she could. Several of her new crewmates had already claimed hammocks in the cramped space below deck. Feeling like a trespasser at her new place of employment, Agatha decided to return to Stella's body house in search of any cooking lessons that her stable of admirers could provide. She didn't like the idea of providing enough food for herself and five hungry men at the end of each day's struggle with ropes and sails and splinters, but she hadn't found herself in a strong position to negotiate with Anthony. His determination to complete the mission shone through, despite the pug, pug, pugacity, right? Paucity. Paucity. I'm so sorry, dear listeners. My ability to read and pronounce words isn't the most amazing. Well, I'm impressed by the pugacity with which you trudge forward anyway. Okay, listen here, sir. <clears throat> okay. Of details that he shared with his crew. She had no idea what the king wanted from Anthony, but her fellow crew members didn't know that the king was involved at all, and they seemed to think that Anthony had come up with his own scheme. Agatha hoped that she couldn't ha- wouldn't have to blackmail or foment a mutiny against the man she'd quickly come to respect, but her knowledge wouldn't go to waste if she needed to employ it. Oh, one, uh, she actually was thinking about fomenting a mutiny against. Not what is, f- you said fomenting. I swear you just insisted on using all of the words you knew I would have trouble reading out loud. That one is really tough because, like, the kerning situation sort of makes it look like like there should be an R there. Uh, it really does. Anyway. And, yes. She asked a few merchants at the market if they knew where she might be able to find chocolate. Each one scoffed at her with an occasional gesture at their surroundings or sneer at her cor- coin purse. It became clear that chocolate that had been so plentiful in her youth hadn't spread very far into Europe. 
It was all the rage at Hampton Court, but here in East London, everyone dismissed it as an upper-crust affectation along the lines of white stockings and feathered hats. Agatha had to concede that if one judged by appearances, it'd be reasonable to conclude that nothing the aristocracy aristocracy enjoyed could have any merit. She had hoped her aptitude for grinding cocoa pods into sumptuous beverages would earn her credit with the crew, but now it seemed that even if she could find and afford such an ingredient, her new colleagues lived in a world far enough from hers that they may not find the same pleasure in chocolate that she always had. She'd heard endless odes to the wonder of international trade. She'd already been too aware of the human cost to muster an enthusiasm matching her father's, and now the whole enterprise seemed stupid as well as evil. Did rich people just send things back and forth across the Atlantic for each other's enjoyment? Her mind flashed to what Artemisia's devilish mind could do with chocolate if it were part of her cosmology. She took her defeat and disillusionment back to Stella's establishment. Artemisia and her friends drove a hard bargain in exchange for lessons in the kitchen below Stella's guest rooms, but first, Artemisia tenderly bathed Agatha's sweaty and beaten body and afterward anointed her with a surprising way array of salves formulated for rope burns. After a sweaty afternoon at the stove and in a couple of beds, Agatha sat at the bar at Stella's place, pushing her own boiled turnips from one side of her plate to the other wondering what awaited her on this mysterious mission. Anthony suddenly loomed over her table, and Agatha found herself throwing her shoulders back into a more erect posture. Are you ready to go, lad? He sat down at Agatha's table with a quick, weary grin. Agatha's voice, sorry, Anthony's voice sounded softer now, the way it did when he addressed Stella the night before. All the books talked about the simpering artificiality of ladies at court, but it occurred to Agatha that men also altered their bearing to serve them best in any given situation. She remembered her father's own solicitousness toward her in contrast to the ardors he barked at his staff and slaves, and the seeming indifference that he projected to his wife. Tyrannical fathers, rough sailors, badgering street vendors, slobbering johns, would Agatha ever meet a man of sincerity who said what he meant and acted like himself as he moved throughout the world? Then again, did she care? Perhaps weren't needed in the men. In the, <laughs> sorry, perhaps men weren't needed in the world that she'd worked to create. Is that what I said? What did I say? Uh, you said perhaps needed weren't men or something like that. Um, oh, sorry. It's very impressive that you managed to to do that with uh, the syntax given where the line break is in our Google Doc. Um, you like skip to like the lower left after reading the upper right, but um, that's all right because, you know, having trouble reading is uh, overall for our endeavor, which is writing a novel, a uh, much uh, far preferable uh, issue to have than having trouble writing. Uh, I will also say that, like, that is how my brain works, which you know. Like, I, I always read that way, where I've skipped to the end of the sentence before my brain has caught up completely. Um, so I'm actually surprised that that doesn't happen more often. Does it help? Like, have you ever learned any German? I feel like you'd you'd be amazing at it. Uh, actually, no. But, like, I've I've taken some Spanish classes, etc. And Spanish makes more sense to my brain because of the order that the sentences go um occasionally like that you know a lot of times or like the verb is already part of the person you know like the syntax oh, of spanish yeah. just makes more sense uh, you know 
Learning Spanish actually helped me learn English way faster than literally anything else. So I feel like you're totally going to know English if you lo- know <laughs> if you learn German. Um, <laughs> like I that, don't. Actually... That sounds about like how I learn stuff. So yeah, probably I don't, I don't really know anything about German except I know that the like have a bunch of stuff and then I think the, verb... the object is at the beginning like yeah. the sentence formulation is completely flopped around well yeah the verb is like way the hell at the end yeah. and i feel like if yeah. like you'd only be on better footing if you like <laughs> skipped to the end of the sentence and then read the beginning anyway yes i will let you continue okay <clears throat> i'll take that as a no anthony said squinting at agatha after what she realized must have been a very long pause I understand. You don't strike me as someone who spent much time risking his life. And there's nothing less fruitful than risking one's life for a near stranger. Just remember that you'll get a full share of the spoils in the unlikely event that you pull your weight aboard the ship. I hope the opportunity to cross the Atlantic again is worth it to you. The spoils? Agatha asked. So you are a pirate after all. Not exactly, Anthony looked up at the ceiling for a moment. We're not quite on a humble merchant voyage but you won't do any thieving either then where do the spoils come in i don't mean to question your authority or your plan but i can't help but wonder about the state of my immoral soul if things don't go well agatha's souls didn't matter much to her as much as any knowledge she could put to use in the temporal world but there was no harm in anthony thinking her naive my benefactor has no lack of resources and every reason to keep me happy if I can succeed in this mission, Anthony said after another glance to the ceiling. He seemed to know that lying wasn't among his skills and even evasion seemed difficult for him. That mentor of his must have been worthy of Stella's rhapsodizing and perhaps Anthony had provo- proved a better pupil than Agatha may- would have assumed. Agatha redoubled her wondering about how this dubious journey could carry so much weight with an honest man, if indeed he was as honest as he appeared. Anthony's guileless expression sharpened as Agatha searched his face. Well, Peter, I'm surprised that a boy with as many secrets as you would have such an interest in flushing out mine. I don't know how you got to London, what gave you this idea to be a sailor, and why a lad of such keen curiosity wants to spend his life scraping salt out of his eyebrows and shitting over a rail as the seagulls look on. Shall we each agree to be the custodian of our own secrets? Agatha gave an inward sigh of relief, as she had no idea what to say if Anthony had pressed her further. That suits me perfectly, Anthony. She realized that she might have spoken a bit too eagerly. Not that I have any secrets, she added without much conviction. Please call me Captain going forward. Last night we fought together, but you'll soon learn the necessity of hierarchy and discipline at sea. You have a great deal to learn, and I'd wager that you have even more you need to forget if you stay on this path. But for now, you might as well retire with one of Stella's girls. Even short voyages can turn into long stretches of deprivation. Agatha took the opportunity to excuse herself. Rather than following Anthony's suggestion, she begged Artemisia for the night off, pleading that she needed plenty of rest before another stretch of wrestling with ropes. She even t- turned down a tutorial in knot making and eventually made her lumpy way. Her, sorry. Oh, my lanta. Eventually made her way to a lumpy bed in an unused room. What did I say that time? I don't even know what I said. I really would have wanted to see oh. how you landed that sentence. Oh. No, it's great. You said, and eventually made her lumpy way. Her lumpy way to a bed. Her lumpy bed to a way in a room. I don't, you guys. <laughs> As the twilight dwindled through her narrow window, Agatha's mind cast back to Suriname. 
She couldn't imagine staying there once she came back for her mother. She shared none of the aspirations and values of the Dutch colonists on the coast. She thought about living amongst the native people and escaped slaves, but if anything, she'd be less useful to them than she would do. She would to Anthony and his crew. On his crew. Uh, yeah, that was Ooh. that was you know my my nerves were fraying pretty bad. That would <laughs> that was supposed definitely supposed to be and. That's all right. On the other hand, Europe seemed old and crowded, and she couldn't imagine a fulfilling life among her mother's cadre of merchants' wives. Cadre? Cadre? How do you say that no, word? No, it's cadre. Oh, okay. All she knew was that she'd be free once she rescued her despondent mother. If she didn't want to live in the old world or the new one, could her destiny possibly lie at sea? The next morning, Agatha regarded herself as mad for indulging such a thought, however fleetingly. London disappeared around a bend in the Thames, and before much longer, the English coastline began to recede. She wouldn't miss her short, strange interlude among English high society, but she couldn't imagine that whatever awaited her would constitute any sort of improvement. Stella, Artemisia, and the rest of her new friends had awoken early to see her off. Agatha would miss their openness, welcoming natures, and multifaceted instructions. She'd also miss Hen Helen Pendleton, Mr. Tozier, and the difficult yet straightforward work she'd volunteered at the chocolate kitchen. Anthony stood near the prow, watching the waves and feeling the wind. He looked lighter when he walked the swaying decks, and his broad shoulders cast an imposing shadow across the boxes and sacks strewn behind him. Well, dear listeners, that is the end of chapter six. Uh, a muddled mess though it was i mean i would say i wouldn't call it muddled so much as meandering it's a slight difference no no i mean me reading it i'm not oh. talking about your writing i'm talking about my recitation <laughs> come on i would never put you on blast like that in front of our dear dear listeners I mean, they, they're probably harboring their own inner assessments that may be even less charitable. But then again, that is their privilege as, as our dear listeners. Right. Exactly. So uh, I figured I would. Um, well, frankly, I have no idea um, exactly where the plot is going. So I didn't push it forward immensely far, I must confess. Um, I, well, I especially didn't want to push it forward immensely far and then leave you stranded with whatever crew I concocted. So <laughs> I might have to backfill details about the other, like, four people who are standing around during various portions of this chapter. Um, I think, I think Anthony's chapter may run parallel slightly to this one in sort in, in time wise. Like, the reader might feel like they've gone back in time a little bit and done his day with him because they're separate. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I actually, not only did I figure that was the case, I was going to mention that the way this sort of works, the way this seems to be forming, I would actually think that potentially for the um, published version of this novel that will soon be available at your um local uh you know airport bookstore slash newsstand and you know uh, uh checkout line at target and everything um we might actually want for the sake of people not reading a chapter and wondering why nothing much happened we might actually want to condense either a uh both perspectives into single chapters once we're actually done writing this either going back and forth or just making a little like anthony section and an agatha section of each chapter because that might make things a little more uh propulsive 
Yes, perhaps. Um, I'm sure this is extraordinarily interesting to people who are listening to this audio medium. But yes, I mean, I don't really know, having never published a novel, um, how the editing works. But I'm assuming there is a lot of that after the first draft. Like you go back and basically rewrite most of what you've done um from what i understand yeah i, I mean I, th- I think that anyone who's listened this far is probably into the um process talk corner that's, tr- that's true and uh, granted i have uh, not published a novel nor had any of my other published works available in the checkout line at target <laughs> but um i do like the idea of talking about this but continuing to write exactly the way that we have been writing right. because that will also um you know keep people on the hook and uh waiting to be surprised uh, at what awaits them when they finally actually go to the airport um <laughs> buy a ticket somewhere just so they could get past security yeah, right. to the place I mean, where they sell books as though any of us are you know getting on planes right now but um yes i yes i oh i also think we have to finish um you know, you have to complete the first draft before you can basically overhaul it. So I'm not saying that we should, you know, change the way we're doing things. Absolutely. I just, oh, I, yeah, I, I'm probably putting the putting the publishing before <laughs> the horse very slightly, but I just can't wait till this is a finished book and has, uh, I, I, I really can't wait because like there's there's sort of an increasing trend of doing um, photo uh covers for romance novels instead Mm. of just illustrated ones Mm -hmm. and oh my god i can't wait to stand there um giving notes at everyone at like the cover photo shoot and stuff so there's a lot of things but you're not going to be the subject of the cover photo shoot interesting (laughs) interesting i know that's something you would love to do oh my goodness you have to keep working out though i don't think you quite have a six-pack yet yeah, no, that's all right. I, well, I was actually sort of thinking that the Anthony would be wearing a shirt, but uh, unbuttoned extremely far. Ah, okay. Um, so that that's a that's a potential um, that would you know save me some crunches and stuff. But nonetheless, uh, I mean, yes, but yeah, and who and you slash whoever plays uh, Agatha in, in the cover photo shoot is definitely going to be dressed as a man in it. I don't want any of this like false advertising where where the woman who spends part of the romance novel dressed as a man is like in a dress or whatever because that's not what this book is about at all in right. my opinion. No. So, uh it's going to be good times. Yes, it will be. Uh, are you excited to write your next chapter with what I laid out on a platter for you? Oh, I'm so stoked about it. That must mean <laughs> that our beloved audience is stoked about reading it. Um, I think we're about ready to wrap up. I believe so, yeah. Um, I want one more correction before we take ourselves out. I think that uh, I think that I approved the pronunciation cadre. I haven't looked this up, but it might be more of a French style like cadre. Cadre, oh, okay. Like All right. Well, one now of you're things... just being extraordinarily pedantic. Well, I, I mean, again, no, I'm, I'm correcting myself more than anything, but I also can't actually, if it is pronounced French, I like literally do not have the lingual dexterity to pull it off. So I, but I just wanted to, didn't want people to come away with the impression that that wasn't a possibility I'd conceived of. I, I don't think, I think they're okay. I don't think anyone really cares, honey. All right. Well, um, <laughs> 
definitely write in at romanticunderpinnings at gmail.com, which I think is our email yep, address. Yep. Uh, if if you, in fact, cared deeply about my previous digression <laughs> slash correction, uh, you can also check out our website at romanticunderpinnings.com, and I'm going to let Ashton do the rest of the plugs. Yes, and, you know... L- like and subscribe us we're on itunes stitcher etc we also have an instagram and a twitter and they're all at romantic underpinnings so should be fairly easy to find um also you can write in and you know if you have ideas about the plot or questions or comments we would love to also take on those so you know communicate we would love to hear from you thank you so much for listening um until next next time all right bye everyone just a quick correction on the socials for that episode. Our Twitter handle is actually at rom under pod, not romantic underpinnings. It wasn't available. Um, but our Instagram and our website are correct, romanticunderpinnings.com or at romanticunderpinnings. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, rate, review, and subscribe us wherever you find your podcasts. And we hope you liked it and we'll listen to the next one. Thanks. Hello, this is future Andrew with one more correction. Our email is actually hello at romanticunderpinnings.com. Thank you even more once again.